0: to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three Dungeon Masters who've been doing this for way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Chris.
1: Sleeping very silly on a Saturday
2: morning. I was dreaming I was Al Capone. There's a rumor going around, gotta clear out of town. Smelling like a drop in Here come the law, gonna break down the dog, gonna carry me away once more. Never, I never, I never want it anymore. Gotta get away from the stone cold floor. Crazy! Don't go crazy! Very
3: nice. Woo!
2: Solid. I don't know how Metallica, Metallica did not uh, yeah. blow his eyeball out saying that one, but <laughs> nor how James Hetfield also did, because that was Stone Cold Crazy by Queen, but then also Metallica. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Again, uh, DM Dave, Rock and Roll BM. Welcome back. As we say each week, this is a very special episode, but this one is because we have some returning guests here. And Stone Cold Crazy is absolutely what we're talking about here because we did a crazy-ass game, a one-shot, that we we did kind of like a Halloween-ish thing that started out kind of like a joke and then it turned into a full-on game.
1: That was still a joke.
2: Yeah, which (laughs) then got a good amount of traction on some of our socials. So I said, you know, we got to talk about this. People want to know, inquiring minds want to know. So uh, if we can, why don't we just have our guests introduce themselves? They're all returned, so you guys will know them very well.
4: Hi, I'm Bonnie.
5: I'm Matt, uh, the Monster Wrangler from before. The Monster Wrangler, and now DM.
2: You are an official DM at this point. This
1: is it, yeah. Right?
2: Monster because Wrangler slash DM. Us, what did you run us through, Matt, on, uh for our kind of Halloween one-shot thing that started out as a Kind of a jokey thing that you I, and chris had done online at one point and now we did it as a full-on game what did you
5: run us through well i think we're calling it the kurt russell campaign That's where, a good where, uh, <laughs> you and you and chris had just by chance chosen two characters originally when we when we ran it which was a couple of years ago i mm-hmm, should mention mm-hmm. And then for this one shot, it resurfaced, and I just made the prerequisite that all other players should be a Kurt Russell character. And surely the, uh, the order was met, and uh, there were four Kurt Russell characters then that appeared in a Dungeons & Dragons 5e campaign.
2: So why don't we just go around real quick and say who we all decided to be. Out of the vast number of genius roles that Kurt Russell has performed in his day, what did we decide to do in a 5E campaign?
4: So I decided on White from Tombstone. And anybody who hasn't seen that movie, you need to go watch it. Because it is a classic and an amazing thing.
2: Now, you had started originally as...
4: Uh, What was his name? Robert...
5: Robert Ramsey.
4: Ramsey, yes. Um, the, from the But now he wasn't a lawyer. He was actually, at that point, he was a retired firefighter, mayor, and something else. But it was in the Poseidon Avenger. And I was going to play him until I realized that he died, because I was originally thinking of the original Poseidon movie, and I thought that that character survived. But... You know, you rewatch stuff and realize that you screwed up.
2: Now, we had been playing with some ideas that maybe you came back and you were now a warlock or something, but regardless.
4: And I wanted to be Annie from Overboard and just go around the campaign going. Also,
2: you had floated Dean Prophet also from Overboard. I did.
3: Chris, who were you playing? Call me Snake. I was Snake Pluskin. Oh, yeah. Back when it started, I feel like it was something like I had watched either the Big Trouble in Little China or Escape from New York and we started talking about like having a character like Snake Plissken or uh Jack there or something like that like Jack Burton so and yeah, no, I played uh I played old Snake there which is a really cool like you know I gotta say what I think is probably the coolest Kurt Russell character but Everyone has their own opinions.
2: Yeah, and I went. Uh, I obviously went with that other one, Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China. Probably one of the most classic roles. And it's, I mean, because it's just full of one-liners. Little tough to play him. I will say during the game, I did have like Jack Burton dice because literally everything I tried was just failing miserably <laughs> until like it it needed to not, and then it, it somehow came through. Very important. And uh, last but not
1: least, certainly not least, Tony. Uh, in my most challenging role ever I was, Chris Kringle from the Christmas
3: Chronicles.
1: (laughs) So Tony decided to bring Santa Claus to the 5e campaign. Somehow it's a third level game. It was that meme where Spider-Man's pointing to himself. It was all three of us, (laughs) four of us pointing to themselves. It was, you know, we needed some art for that. All right. So
2: obviously, uh, and there also should be an honorable mention, Uh, we were having another player that was going to come in, Lenny from the Just Do It episode, DM Lenny. Was going to come in. He couldn't because of scheduling, unfortunately, because he was going to play Herb Brooks, the coach <laughs> of the 1980 U.S. hockey team in the hit movie Miracle. Which I I'm, I'd be interested to see how he how he built that I out. I guess it's
3: a barb, right, or something like that. It's all about. Well, that's actually a good. Right? That's actually
2: a good point. Like, what did we all? So I said, Tony, you played Santa as a cleric, right? You yes, a cleric. Jack was, I played him rogue, you know, and a lot of people online were saying, oh, he's absolutely a bard. I said, well, you know, he's just a swashbuckler, right? Chris, Snake. was a, a fighter, just
3: straight back. Yeah, I mean, and and he I think was a, you battle, a master battle master fighter, master fighter player, but it, right. it made sense with uh, his background. He couldn't really be a paladin, right, or something like that, but he was like, a, right, he was a special ops guy. He could have been even a little bit of rogue, but we only, you know, he's only third level, so yeah. maybe. And he'll then play. Bonnie, obviously with Wyatt Earp, we went with, The fighter. The
2: fighter. But in a stroke of DM discretion, we asked Matt if it was cool if we used the 5e gunslinger build that Matt Mercer had originally created for the Critical Role team when they had transferred from Pathfinder. So we broke that out. It's actually kind of a cool class. It makes me almost want to see how it plays, like, in a full, full campaign uh, just because of some of the mechanics. But, Matt, uh, you know, in in a synopsis, this is your first time DMing right? And you're taking this group through a homebrewed adventure and you go, hey, I want everybody to be Kurt Russell. I want to be character of Kurt Russell. Like, this is an insane idea that like experienced DMs might be like, hmm, that'd be interesting. Let me figure that out. You're like, the first time I run a game, let me run this third level thing with a bunch of Kurt Russells. Like, give us like the high overview
5: of what that looks like. Well, from before, it started with you and Chris bringing in the two Kurt Russell characters, right. which I wasn't privy to until you rolled them out. Um, yeah, I don't even the, remember how original, that happened. I just <laughs> In it. the original build, like he said, it was probably like, you know, he was watching a movie, you got yeah. start talking and then it just happened. And then so because of those two characters, then the idea was then unleashed. So it was like everyone else has to be a Kurt Russell character. Yeah, that's just how the campaign's going to roll. And so I first built it really simply. You talked about the DM discretion for the gunslinger. Yeah. I was saying, oh, no guns. I wanted, I was experienced only in playing in 5E, basically 5E worlds. And so I. Right. Medieval fantasy, right? Crossbows, swords, stuff like that. And this was a post apocalyptic Earth world based out of California. Yeah. So having magic in the world and having guns in this and and stuff it just seemed it would be a lot to run so i just said oh no we're not going to do that so hey just pick some low magic classes and you know be basically a human and then we'll you know we'll do this for fun and it was cool and then when we brought it back it was the well a gunslinger yeah we can work that in we can definitely work that in because there can be guns around and santa can't be anything but magical in some sense so that had to be allowed somewhere and i said well if this were to pan out then there would be something along the line so we worked cleric would be or or druid would fit in that type of setting where you could have almost like the quote-unquote magic that we already have in this world um tell you the
2: truth my first thought with that when i heard that Tony wanted to be saying i was like i'd make him a ranger i'd make him be like, build me on a ranger Barbarian. he has to be a ranger because he's a woodsman out in the woods what? right and stuff like prior to being magical i'd be like you got to do that sorry yeah, that's jack what.
1: burton never sung in that movie i'm sorry that was way <laughs> off <That> was <laughs> yeah.
5: but yeah that was uh that was the original build and then so coming into this it was building out an earth world that was had to be heavily controlled uh because i wasn't ready to have such an expansive world so i kept it really contained basically on one street redwood boulevard Kinda, yeah <laughs> and it was just you guys moved into town and there were some ruffians some nefarious things happening about town and with the Jack Burton theme, it just takes all that backstory from the movies and gives it to you for, for fodder, for the story. So for the one shot, I looked at it and said, well, which of those stories is probably best? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to go with the easy, like the low-hanging fruit on that one. And it seemed to fit a Halloween theme. So I took the, the Jack Burton theme. Where it was like low pan and where, all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, where <laughs> low pan was tied into the stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, And that Tim added in a little bit of, it explains a little bit of magic, too, you know? No, I said versus Tim Burton.
3: Yeah, yeah. Or, Cur- or Colonel yeah. Hawk or something like that. I get some Lee Marvin going there. <laughs> that was Lee Van Cleef, sorry. Sorry, Lee Marvin. I followed you.
5: <laughs>
2: cool. So, so yeah, so you had, you had controlled us in there, and then you also found that it was really hard to, to take a system like 5e that's so heavily magic, it's heavily martial and heavily magic, and then start to try to cordon that off. You know, like we've all talked about, sometimes there's times you wanna cordon certain things off, but then you run into, well, I wanna like, Wyatt Art, for instance, I wanna bring a, I have to have the peacemaker with me, how does that work? Mm-hmm. So you say, okay, well that one survived or something, mm-hmm. right? But that can be really tough. So what were our experiences in terms of the game, in terms of like this crazy idea that we had, and then also like playing with a brand new DM running this thing, you know, as opposed to like Lenny, he ran us through like Fandelver, right? That's, that's set, you know, we know what that is. And it was classic d right? So let's just kind of go around and see, like, what did you like? What were some of the things that you saw that you would want to utilize or that you would maybe scuttle and and change next time around.
4: Uh, for me, I could not tell that you were inexperienced. You, for the most part, handled it very well. You were able to manage things. Yeah, there was some mechanics that maybe you didn't know or a spell you didn't really know. But we all do that, you know, even as players. So I never even realized, like, if I was, out, like, outwardly looking in that there was any real difference with that so you know it seemed smooth and stuff and you made sure we all got heard which has always been one of my biggest complaints sometimes in games where I feel like I can't get my voice out or I can't do what I want to do Thank you. um and for me and I've said this before and especially those that know my little one character when I can play the character I have more fun so it, instead of just feeling like, oh, I'm just doing this, oh, I'm just hitting, I'm just doing, like, it, it's a, a big disconnect. So with Wyatt Earp, who is ugh, one of my favorite characters of all time.
2: Best Western ever made.
4: Oh, God, ever.
2: Deal with the people.
4: Yep. Mm-hmm. Being able to separate from the group and be the watcher as everybody else is doing things is total Wyatt Earp. And you didn't kind of force me to go... Into a building or a separate location. You didn't make comments about separating the party. You just let me do my thing. Don't do
3: it. Don't do it.
4: And ultimately, I think it worked out pretty well, you know, and I enjoyed myself, even if I did have less interaction that I otherwise might have if I did just go along with the crowd. So, so I enjoyed that.
5: I thought that you played the wider character fantastically uh like the fact that you brought that in was just um i'm I'm grateful for it because that's such a classic character like the jack burton character like the snake pliskin like the santa yeah yeah and um you played that like you said the watcher there was multiple times where they were at the door and you were leaning up against the tree you know just watching from under the brim of the hat the hand on the peacemaker kind of thing like (laughs) <laughs> the gun made sense for you because you were old law enforcement. So in this world, it was like, well, we can easily explain that you've got one of the old, the, you know, these old relics. And yet, the fact that you were doing that it just adds depth to that and almost helps me along as a new DM. So I really appreciate the character choice and then the, the way that you you ran it and you know and went through my. <laughs> whatever that was my world there
3: I mean I I really enjoyed the idea of taking a bunch of Kurt Russell's through it I thought that was cool we sort of were playing around with it but then to take that in there but I think that there's stuff that you could I think what I enjoyed the most about it is that there's stuff that you can take from that for your things is that you can restrict you can say these are the guidelines for creating it and then we talk about it right so you set your boundaries and then you can talk about a gunslinger or, or something like that in your world but make boundaries that you feel comfortable with, especially for something like a one-shot or if you're starting off new. And then something like Kurt Russell is cool because if you're not taking from published material, to his point, I mean, Big Trouble in Little China is a great storyline to pull from, you could pull from you know, Escape from New York, you could pull from the Santa Claus. <laughs> I don't remember the who the bad or. guy was in that. Was it Martin Short or was that a different one? That might have been a Oh, no, that one. was good. Yeah. That the, yeah. the yeah, that's Santa a different was, one. I'm not too up on that one. But uh, I think that was something that you could take, you know, I could take into other games is that there's, uh, there's something to bringing some level of I mean, it's that humor. It's sort of a fantastical element to it that you can really pull from to enhance the game, which I thought you did. And as far as first time DM, I agree with Bonnie. Like, it wasn't like you were a first time DM. I thought that it was very good. I didn't feel railroaded at any point or lacking agency. So I think that's good. Like, I, you know, I think if you've been around it enough, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to start off thing. you have, you've seen some other people in action. So it helps to, um, See a couple different styles in action before you actually start and do it yourself.
5: Again, I would say, Snake Plissken, like, thank you originally. And then this time again for bringing that, <laughs> that in there. And, like, the way that you played Snake Plissken is perfect. But there's, like, little <laughs> yeah. bits of talking, very, you know, rough around the edge, ready to just send a bolt right
3: into someone's chest. Yeah. He was rolling with a the crossbow there, the regulator, but yes, but it's a, no, it's a fun character. Like I said, that's, I like creating characters brand new, but if you're going to jump into a character and play them, something like that's fun. Like the Kurt Russell has, I mean, through luck or skill or whatever it is, he's played a bunch of pretty darn cool characters, especially from an action perspective, so...
5: And like Escape from L.A. and Escape from uh, New York, <laughs> they play Valley. into a story yes. uh, where that is working into a post-apocalyptic, like right before everything would crash type of thing. So that rolls into the story, becomes the storyline again. It's like it, it feeds my ability to be able to roll
1: that stuff out. So uh, your game flow was good. The mechanics were good. Yeah, I would agree with what Bonnie said that uh you did not feel like a first-time DM. It's super great to have like rule buddies at the table who are like, Hey, how does Fireball work? Can I can I uh light that ball on fire? Like, hang on. Mm, no, probably not. And you know, that is also in your pocket, but overall gameplay with the sandbox I didn't feel like I was railroaded I didn't feel like I was being uh, like just left out in the wilderness though either like I'm just in a town and I'm like wow like what the f-, f are we doing here it was more concise that so all those things were solid if I would give you any feedback I would say your opening was a little heavy at this point you gave it out and I would kind of turn it over to the people to get them to try to have them role play themselves. So you don't have to feel that burden on you personally. For my character, I took somebody very out of my comfort zone. I'm Santa, I have questionable ability scores and I'm lawful good and my concerns are questionable ability scores. That's not my typical character. That yeah, is really not, not me. Yeah saving people from dying and stuff, that was really not uh, typically in my uh, repertoire, but a uh, very enjoyable game. What I would take away from that was I liked how you did the setting and you showcased how you could use fantasy and realism with post-apocalyptic environment. So it has the elements of the real and the fantasy blended well together. It was a real treat for me. I played a game based on The Stand years ago, like 15 years ago, and that was a lot of fun. and there was a like d and d like if magic and d and d had infiltrated Stephen King, that's what it' been like. and that took me back to it. so it was a real treat. Oh, thank you.
5: thank <laughs> you. And like the fact that you brought Santa in, that was a whirlwind of a choice. I it blew me away. you know, like I've never thinking that somebody's gonna choose Santa, but Bonnie, you were bringing up the idea too originally when when we were kind of like originally talking about it. so, the fact that you played that, you definitely played a character. I think, like you said, that's not your normal, your normal blend. Um, Did
1: not have plus fifteen to hit.
5: No, uh, but it was great, and it was it worked out well to be able to use that in that world. Like you said, and thank you for that. The the blending, like it, you can blend Santa in. Santa's part of the world, and you were literally using some of that, and I was letting you play it because I was like, this is, this is what Santa would have in his toolbox. You were seeing if you knew people by what you brought to them on Christmas. So that, (laughs) that, that mechanic is just, I would have, again, like it's, you're bringing that into the game. I didn't come up with that and I love it. And it allowed, it was food for me to be able to DM better and more. So thank you for sh- the feedback, and thank you for bringing the character in.
1: I should have discussed with you his ability to do that pre-game, where I would have said something like, hey, you have the ability to give a selfless gift of like five gold pieces or less for just charitable Christmas spirit reasons. If you used it for something selfish, it would fail, but that allowed him to be more binding and more grounded in that world as that character. It was enjoyable. Well, that-
2: yeah, that's some I of know. what we say all the time, and I realize more and more as I'm... Every time I run games, I realize it even more. And now now that you have run a, a, a full game now, right? So this is, you know, you are now a DM. That's it, you know, where you've been anointed. But well, the single Chris? thing you throw out there is a prototype. Even the most basic game that you think you know, it's a prototype. You don't know how it's going to play. So all of this, this stuff that's coming back to you... Because, Chris, you actually had it right... Um, with a game like this, it's there is humor there, but it's not just the oh ha ha, this is so dumb. It's like this homage humor because we're all super jazzed about these characters to the point where we're talking about like, hey man, we could do like a one-shot with like all Val Kilmer characters or all Nicolas Cage characters. <laughs> and online, Talkers. this is what yeah, this is what I'm seeing from people. They're like Oh my God! I want to I I want to run a game with all Nick Cage characters, you know. And you think about these things, and it's this ability to take that really beloved character and play it out a little bit. But you're not you're not you're not like, hey, let me do this for 20 levels now and see how Jack Burton plays, you know. So that, but there were a couple things, man. I would agree um, that you definitely have been paying attention when you're playing the game in terms of how you're going to then run the game, right? Because you were taking, you could see how you had grabbed bits from people. But yeah, Tony, uh, I would agree. When you have that intro stuff, you can sometimes get lost in it. And I noticed that it was the, um, because I know you had a ton more. So while we were on Redwood Boulevard, you know, and like you're saying the only street, right? You had like the big bad was at this like mansion in the hills, right? Or whatever, right? And what I love about that, too, is that, like, this is you were living out there at the time. So you're just, like, going to work every morning and being like, this is a D&D campaign. And I'm like, that's exactly how DMs think. <laughs> anyway, but um, but we went to the mansion. And I know, like Tony says all the time, you had to start cutting stuff because – time you have x amount of time in a one shot to get it done right there's no second game here yeah so you had to then start cutting things and i know what happened is we got lost we lost ourselves in redwood boulevard because we're questioning people and we're casing houses and stuff and it was that like crap now where do we go which didn't make the game less fun but it's just one of those things where you start to see that timing yeah. The only other thing I would say is you learned it very well, I hope, this time about single point fails. So single point fail for anybody out there who 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 doesn't really know about it, uh, Matt Colville talks about it in one video. But anytime you're you're having a piece of lore or an important clue or something based off a single role. And I had Jack Burton dice, right? And then also like Jack Burton, I forgot that I had taken the lucky feat. For like the first half of the game. So I wasn't <laughs> using that. Yeah. So I would. You would like roll me a history check. And I'd roll it. It'd be a three. You'd say Arcana. Uh, roll with advantage. Roll it with advantage. Yeah. Right. Because you were starting to realize like. Oh shit. I, how do I get this piece out? Did you. Were you yeah. realizing that in
5: game? Like when you, when it was happening? Yeah. And you guys had schooled me on that. And I. This is another. Like thank you so much for just having you in my life as far as coaches and experience. But then at the table, being able to have experienced players at the table, all of you experienced, so yeah. I can feed off of like Tony was saying. Oh, uh, Firebolt! That's a uh, what's that? That does a d. Is it right? d10? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> d10. There we go. Right. So that was great having that ability. BT um, Dubs, <laughs> no one had Firebolt. Just that. we're just throwing that out there as an
3: idea. <laughs>
2: <They're> like, <"Who's laughs> Firebolt, Santa. Um. <laughs>
3: No, but I mean, I think it's a very um, point, right? You don't ever want to put anything behind a role that you need them to have, because the the, D and the dice gods will be like, nope, you're not going to get it. And you're not I mean, that. we all run into it constantly, and sometimes you just have to give
5: up on the lore or whatever. Yeah, you guys had given me uh, that piece of, you know, information, like, put stuff down that you need to get out there, but don't attach it to one particular character, and I thought about that as far as npcs i didn't think about it in game as far as your characters yeah you know so i was like okay i can use any npc i want kind of to like if you run into them and i want that to come out there well then okay cool it does if it doesn't i can use somebody else all of a sudden jack burton is the only one that's really tied to low pan so it was like you had to Jack come up with shit. this stuff, yeah, and <laughs> so great because yeah, Jack Burton dice like that plays into his character. You had the lucky feet, which also plays into his character. Sure. So like even better if I use it, just so you know. great, and you did, I yeah. think at least once, I, uh, board, by one one roll at least. It's all in the reflexes, but yeah, that was something that I hadn't accounted for, and so I was left uh, roll it with advantage. Um, you rolled a four. You got it. So you <laughs> got that, uh, it was a DC four. You yeah. hit it right on. Man, that's so Perfect. lucky of you. Like, yeah. So Jack Burton, and because you're Jack Burton, you know. So I, I think I, yeah, I ended up just dumping some stuff, and you hit it on the nail before. Um, I knew the game was not going to go the way I anticipated. So I made so- enough material to cover. And I was like, I can't anticipate that you're going to actually get through all of this. And then we're still going to have all this time left over. You know, like this should be able to fill up everything. I didn't anticipate exactly how it went. And it's kind of like saying, like, you knew it was not going to go the way you expected, but then you didn't realize it wasn't going to go the way you expected. So um, I did have to cut stuff and it was on the fly. So I feel like you noticed because it was a little clunky. I hadn't pre-set. Okay I'm going to cut this. And now I realize when I analyze it. You probably come up with things. Where you're like this is filler. If they blah blah blah. Then I'm going to either have this in. Or have this out. And you don't have to come up with. What you're going to cut or add. At that moment in the story. I don't, I don't know. But I,
2: had said it, I had said it in the first episode. We ever recorded episode one. Uh, and we talked about our. Our weaknesses, our issues are the things that we have the most trouble at. And at that point, you know, I was I had been running games for a a couple of years at that point. But still, you're dealing with the things you're dealing with. And for me, it was always when the players choose to turn left and you you were you know, you needed them to go right. You know, and that's exactly what you're saying, because the minute you sit down behind the screen, you realize that that is that's the name of the game. They will turn left. You just don't know when they're turning left. And you the, the, the great thing is, is you did handle that because it didn't feel clunky in terms of you were forcing us to a thing. We kind of we came about it. I was just seeing on that kind of meta level, realizing having run games that, oh, man, we're 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 spending too much time here and we need to move along kind of thing. But, you know, you also want to let that story play out. You know, Tony, it was similar in our recent murder mystery game
1: so what happened with that was i created this incredibly complex murder mystery and i wanted everybody to really get in there feel it out make the rules fail the rules but let their intellect solve this the problem was i had a time in my head where i had to cut it and if we didn't get to that that we weren't at the accusation by this time or a little later there was no way this battle which i had in the cue, could possibly take place So what I should have done is I should actually take another play from Chris from my birthday game right at time where it's like, this is at the end of the time, like this is your real time in the game has run out. You must make your accusation here, which then would have triggered the battle.
2: Yeah. I've seen that before when people, especially when they talk about like convention play where they have this time, boom, you have this block. That's it. That idea of, okay, on hour two, when that hits,
1: something has to occur, you know, but, but the double-edged sword there is you guys went on and had role play for like an hour and a half after my point at four going to five 30. So like we would have lost all that. So really it's yeah. like,
3: no. no, I think a lot gets cut on the cutting room floor there. Right. It's about like, Like you say, like you get behind the screen and things just go in any direction like they're not going to go the way that you thought about it for the week leading up right in your head. And you put all these things down and then you just kind of hold on and make your rules and adjustments the best you can and stuff like that. You're timing the best you can on a one shot. It's extremely difficult. That's what one of the hardest parts of a one shot is trying to get it all in. Trying for it to be the right length or not too long, not too short. So you end up trying to hit the story beats, hit the big fight at the end. It's the nature of it all. But I think it all kind of leads together.
2: So speaking of one shots and DMs and stuff. So I'm going to bank this off to Bonnie here because you are an official DMGM. You have done it, right? Yes. Now, in this group, though, you actually ran us through a completely different system. I don't think we ever really went over it. We don't need to go as much now, but it was it was a Halloween thing. It was a uh the Dead Fast Club and it was based off these uh, you know, Jason and Freddy and and Michael Myers and stuff. It was really fun, but it was very very different. It was a completely different system. So you could come in fresh and nobody knows the system. Nobody knows anything. So that's a in some ways that's harder, but it's also a little easier as opposed to Matt. You're coming into five E, which is what we're playing ad nauseum here for years, <laughs> and you're having to then run that in a way where everyone knows how the rules work and all this kind of stuff. So Bonnie, in in your from seeing this game and how Matt ran it, and then you know, when you're done your point, you can tell us when you're gonna run us through a one shot of your making i don't know if it'll be val kilmer or nicholas cage true. or I, I i'm not sure
4: well i also have the goonies The run his third too that's
2: also true yeah but <laughs> but coming in that way and seeing what matt was doing as a first time dm because in, in, in some ways You were the first time DM, too, and you had done some when we were doing the family game
0: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, with your family. Yeah, but even that
4: was like a special mechanic because, you know, I ran us through like special characters as well. Yeah. The only one that I actually truly did through a 5E is at the group home, you Mm -hmm. know. So, but, you know, ultimately it's the fundamentals. If you have the fundamentals, you can create anything and run it appropriately where it doesn't seem out of whack when it comes to the 5E. When it's a completely different system and nobody knows what that system is, looks at, there's a little bit more instruction. And I think the only thing I would do a little differently with a different system is to give everybody a heads up of how the mechanics will roll within the roles. And then outside of that, it's just a storyline. And for me, I'm somebody who could just, for the most part, roll with any pivoting within imaginational stuff. So, when uh, Jen wanted to find certain products within the school to use to her advantage like I felt that was no problem we would figure that out so some of it's confidence too
2: so when are you gonna run us through some sort of fun <laughs>
4: well the, shot? we just got to get it on the schedule but we definitely have the goonies of I like s- to get, I, the
2: thing is I like to get it on. On on record so that people hear it, and the fans are like, "Hey, where the hell's this?"
4: Well, then I'll do the Val Kilmer one because I absolutely love him and (laughs) there's so many great character characters.
2: But no, like that's the beauty of it, like. And that's what, like, I really thought that this was something, because it's that taking that idea, this, because, Bob, when you ran the group home one, you were running them, I believe, through Dragons of Fire Peak, right? Yes. You were running through the starter set.
4: With highly modification
2: <laughs> Yeah, of course, of course, because you're just going to go with whatever they're saying, partly because you're also doing it, like we talked about in the one episode, uh, which I'll link in the show notes, guys, but uh, where we talked about. D and D is therapy, and and how to deal with that, and how to deal with people that might have uh, emotional issues or disturbances mm-hmm. in your group. You know, that and that an that was a yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a really great episode with that. So that's a little different because you're utilizing it in a therapeutic model too. But yeah, so you ran the Dragons by Spire Peak, which is a set adventure. So you at least have these things. Matt, you decided to go full homebrew your world, the adventure, the every oh. the the mechanics even. Doing it all over again, would you still go full homebrew? Or would you have said, no, first time I'm going to run 5e, I'm going to run it in in, 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 in like a a little one-shot module or something like that? Or do you really like the way it came out with really taking a lot on as a first
5: time to, to create this? That's a really good question because I thought about the fact that I created this world. And I know that there are pre-generated campaigns out there. Lenny ran us through the Fandelver. Sure. You know, um, through Fandelin. You guys have run a ton of them. You, you know, Bond, you were running one. We were just talking about it in the group home. So I was even thinking that I could maybe find one that would be able to tailor into something in this storyline and be able to kind of cherry pick stuff to assist in there you know but in the end having the full control like i know what right like you know what life is you know what earth is so all these things are already there 5e playing it enough i know what all those mechanics and the weaponry and whatnot Mm -hmm. is so you just put them together and it seemed i don't know it's i it almost seemed more comfortable for me because a pre-generated campaign i would need to go through And reread the whole thing, probably get completely comfortable with it, because that's just the way my brain works. So having full control, you could say, and full management over what it looks like, how it runs, um, the whole storyline is comfortable for me. Because like Bonnie was saying, I can sort of just start to run with it out of my imagination and then being able to use the Kurt Russell campaign as... (laughs) That's just so much storyline already there, and then I could just pull that in and use that to my advantage. So uh, it's almost easier, yeah. and and I felt very comfortable running a full homebrew. I would probably homebrew again. Yeah. But I'm curious about a pre-generated campaign. Yeah. I am, but I think the homebrew is by far without oh.
3: playing anything but I mean, that. You know, you, on my end, I, you can I, play at fifty percent. But like you don't have to go like originally like that when i did nampushima and stuff i did that full homebrew like i wrote it all out and everything like that but then when i started doing the further and the return to uh return to the further i started leveraging other things like reskinning uh layers and encounters from other modules so that i could focus more completely on the story arc itself rather than the individual episodes within there And fact it can be challenging sometimes to take a look and reskin something but it's difficult. And counter building is one of the most difficult things in those uh in 5E as far as trying to measure how it's actually going to go there. And so I like I learned to lean into that a little bit to help with doing it homebrew. You get to it's your world. Uh You know what happens in your world. So that's a powerful thing. But those it's just a little bits of help that really made a big difference where I don't have to spend as much time worrying about running the encounter builder to figure out what it is i have this thing i can drop it in there i just need to paint the picture around it that makes it um stick for this particular session yeah definitely
2: and matt you're not wrong with that because that's that's something we actually used to talk about a lot thorn would oftentimes say too it's much easier because you know what's all the lore is and all the things in your world you don't have to remember where that clue is or what that is it's 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 whatever you say it is. So there is a level of freedom with that. So, But with that, uh, it's probably getting about that time. This has been a little bit of a crazy episode, just like it was a crazy ass idea for a game, uh, which I think a lot of people would really want to do. And uh, kudos to you for doing it as, let me do this for the first thing I ever do. So why don't we actually start with our guests here? Just final thoughts on the Kurt Russell game campaign that uh probably will return in some fashion in some way, some special uh one shots here and there but matt why don't you uh lead us off here? final thoughts on it
5: thanks for having me on and the kurt russell campaign again uh that was just a treat to be able to you know to run that i anticipate reaching out to see if you guys want to keep going with that because there's <laughs> so much world there to explore with all of those backgrounds of those characters uh so yeah i think the the homebrewed kurt russell campaign the fact that people are buying into it it's almost like i don't know how people haven't done this the whole time before D <laughs> has been together you know putting these characters together yeah i look forward to seeing what comes out yeah. in the world and Bon, how about you? So,
2: like I, I got to play a little bit of a gunslinger with Roosevelt in the Tomb of Annihilation, but he was just a kind of a ranger that we reskinned with a musket. But you got to play the actual gunslinger.
4: I know it was amazing. And as much as I would love to bring his him and that idealism into another game, like Little One Never Dies, never dies. Okay. I'm looking at all you DMs that play. Never dies. Anyway, uh when it comes to him, I feel like that is the special thing just for your game now. I will never bring him or want to bring his personality, his character in other other any other form other than your game because it was pretty awesome and he's an awesome character.
3: I like I think it's really cool I think if you want to do something like this like the listeners are talking about something like it's really Fun to do right i think the way that matt did it was the right way is that you want to do a nicholas cage campaign let's say for example i don't know if i would do that one i'd probably be like stanley goodspeed or like ghost rider or something like that but <laughs> but you know you pick your thing Put limitations on it, set guidelines on it, right? You're going to be, if you're doing something like this, it's fantastical, like a lot of one shots are. So, you want to make sure that everyone that's playing has some idea and that you put some restrictions on it because you're going to have characters like Santa. And yet, we made Santa somehow work where he wasn't this overpowered deity from, you know, like from the North Pole. Like he actually became a character there. So, I think having a good idea, some good guidelines, and then have fun with it. Because uh, I think the characters' backstories are already written, right? Like, we spend a lot of time writing our character backstories. I mean, Snake's got one. Jack Burton has one, right? Santa has one, sort of, right? It comes from the North Pole, right? Like, mean, Wyatt Earp has, like, <laughs> Tombstone is a great movie. Seriously, watch it. But I think it's, so it can be really fun and great fodder, especially as a player, because it's written for you. So you just get to kind of step into that really fun role there, so. Very good time. And please, I encourage everyone to do it.
1: So we deal with, uh, interact with new DMs all the time. And it's stressful enough even to run something that's, you know, uh, a pre-gen or even something of the more basic idea where it's like, okay, I've some third-level characters and you're going to be defending um, this village from, I don't know, goblins and orcs. Because that's probably what some of our first adventures did. Matt said, forget about that. So challenge your creativity. Look for what you want to do. Put the story together. See how you could fit those characters in there. Uh, Matt did it pretty seamlessly. And don't be afraid to, if you're actually in a game like that, to take something that's out of your comfort zone. Because doing something that's especially you know unusual uh, stands out a lot better than like the last eight human fighters that you've played. Oh,
5: absolutely. Like Talk
2: about standing out, right? Uh, I'm going to start saying that this is... One of the beauties of it, like Chris, you were saying, the backstory is already written, and it's totally true. But even more so, the whole characterization of this person is crystallized in your mind because you're not choosing. Like I'm not choosing Herb Brooks because I didn't really, you know, I might (laughs) have seen Miracle. I don't, you know, I don't know what the hell it is, right? No, I choose Jack Burton because I freaking love that movie. I know exactly what it is. I want to say those lines because I run lines like that with friends, where we just keep saying lines, right? So it's already there. So you have all of that ability for humor and for story and for fun, fun stuff with that. But it also serves as an homage because you get to, like, play this character in a way that, like, you also created because this person is crystallized. But now I'm taking it like, okay, who is Jack Burton? How do I build him in this system for 5A? You know, there's so many ways you could go with it. Anyway, I will say uh, for all of the people online, please, if you're listening to this episode, understand that there are multiple Uh, roles that Kurt Russell has played that are beautiful, right? I mean, we had ideas of taking Dean Prophet, Captain Jack, Colonel Jack O'Neill, Elvis from John Carpenter's Elvis. Yes. The first time, actually, that Kurt Russell ever worked with John Carpenter. So, And also, for everyone that said it online, please, yes, R.J. McCready is great in the thing. But, like, hey, there's only so many that we could choose, okay? So we chose the ones we could. If you want to run a Kurt Russell game, you can choose whoever you would like. But yeah, this was great uh, because especially it shows that even as a first-time DM, you don't have to feel like you're completely constrained by things or or like Tony said, let your creativity go and things like that. But also you don't have to be this crazy. But this is for experienced DMs too because I think a lot of experienced DMs would have trouble getting their head around how do i run this game but now nah, you did it very well so i will say though that jack burton did have jack burton dice okay and i had to go through many of dice i've never broken out so many d20s in my life and put them in dice jail so when you start putting them in dice jail, you need other dice which means you need a lot of dice so i would go if i were you to our affiliate link at fanrolldice.com REF 2871 to have all the dice that you need. They might even have little dice jails. I don't know. I haven't looked mm-hmm. on the website. Go check it out. So thanks everyone for stopping in. This was really great. This obviously is not a listener question. This was ours. And we just wanted to talk about our Kurt Russell game. And I think a lot of you wanted us to talk about our Kurt Russell game. So, but please, if you have questions, you're a DM with problems. We're DMs, DMs with problems. Please send them in to us. You can go to threewiseDMs.com and enter in the What's Your Problem field. You can reach out to us, 3 at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach us Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're obviously on those platforms because that's where a lot of this feedback came from. And as we do each week, we will let our dear old erstwhile leader take us out.
0: And for all you listening at home, thank you again for joining us for another episode of three wise DMS. If you're listening on a podcast platform, please hit, hit us with the five-star rating. It really helps us get the word out. Leave a review. If you like it, share it with your friends, like us on social media, all those things help us help spread the word and help us grow our audience. We have been growing really fast and we really appreciate everyone who's helped us do that. So thank you listeners. you you really make this worthwhile what we're doing. If you have a question, like we talked about earlier, you can send it into the what's your problem field at threewiseDMs.com or send it to us at, three at gmail.com or stop by our facebook twitter or instagram page interact with us there we're sharing a ton of what we think is fun content hopefully you've noticed so that's it for this week we'll see you next time for three wise dms